Welcome to the Brisbane Property Podcast with your hosts, Melinda and Scott Jennison from Streamline Property Buyers, your local Brisbane property specialists. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Brisbane Property Podcast. Um, Melinda and I are having a chat today. Um, we've got some interesting information here. So we're basically going to go across, um, we'll start with some other information to start with, but then we'll finish off with the top 10 suburbs for capital growth in Brisbane for the last 12 months. And uh, Melinda's had, uh, I think, Pauline doing a bit of work behind the scenes to help out with this. Yes, massive shout out to Pauline, who's one of our admin assistants here at Streamline Property Buyers. I know she must cringe when I ask her to complete some spreadsheeting for me, but uh, as Scott has pointed out, I am a data nerd and it is important for our clients when we're making suburb recommendations for investment purposes that we understand what's happening both on the ground by being out every weekend and also um, based on what the data is telling us. So we are going to unpack some of the most recent data. This has just been collated by the lovely Pauline for us in the last couple of days. So this is hot off the press and it is the most recent update that we have available. So really excited to be able to help you understand the top suburbs for median price growth in the last 12 months. Remember, that's not always reflective of long-term growth. So that's something that um, we definitely have to keep in mind. But I know people love talking about hotspots. They love talking about, you know, which suburbs have grown more than others. And we wanted to bring this most recent information to you. Now, um, we do obviously, I, I get questions sometimes from people to say, you know, do we understand what, what sort of growth and what changes there are? This is the type of thing that we, as Melinda mentioned, that we do in-house and we, we watch suburb by suburb throughout everywhere to understand what the changes are. Um, so basically, can you, Melinda, can you give us a bit of a rundown on, obviously it's the, it's the growth in the median, and then obviously we'll jump into the, um, the changes. Yes, so before we talk specifically at a suburb level about the data, I wanted to put out a disclaimer here because um, the data is reflective only of what is actually selling. So sometimes the trends that we see in the data may not be reflective of true price growth. Now, let me explain what I mean by that. Um, Obviously, coming from a research background, data is really important to me and the accuracy of that data is also really important. So when we are talking about property data, most people report on the median value. Now, if you sort of take your... um, mind back to when you're at school, the median is not the average of everything that is selling. It is the middle score. So when there's, you know, 11 properties that have sold in a particular period, they are ranked from the lowest sale right up to the highest sale. And the middle number is plucked out. That is the median value. So whilst the median can be a good representation of market movements in a suburb where there's been a lot of similar properties that have sold, It can also be a little bit misleading sometimes in an area where there's a lot of changes in what are selling. So, for example, I know in Brisbane, in some of our inner city locations, we have um, homes on 810 square metre properties that are fully renovated homes selling right next door to small unrenovated homes on 405 square metre blocks. So there's a lot of what we call compositional bias in the data. And it's not always representative of true price movements. It can often be more a reflection of what is selling in a particular location 
in um, the selected intervention period. So it's something to keep in mind. So that's just my disclaimer up front. We are talking about 12-month movements. Um, so there may be some compositional bias in this information, but uh, as I pointed out earlier, people are interested in data. People want to know, you know, what the data tells them. So we're going to send that through to you today. Yeah, that's quite interesting. We did. We, I think we talked about it before when you're buying um, suburbs where people love to live. Sometimes you'll have very nice and expensive homes, and you'll have then renovators. People buy them, renovate them, and they don't actually sell. So um, that obviously does have a bit of an effect there as well. So. What have we got um, in the general Brisbane area for capital growth? Have you, have you got the number on that Yeah. So before we go to suburbs? When we look at the last 12 months, according to the CoreLogic data, and all of the data we're going to be talking to today is CoreLogic data, and in fact, it's come through from the paid subscription um, from CoreLogic, and there's an app on the phone where you can search by suburb. So as I mentioned, Pauline's put a lot of time in manually searching by suburb to collate this spreadsheet of every suburb in Greater Brisbane. So we can provide the most up-to-date information with you. So across all of Greater Brisbane, the most recent CoreLogic data, which was updated at the end of April 2021, shows that the annual price growth in the housing market across all of Greater Brisbane um, has been 9.6%. So the data we're going to be referencing today is also data that is specifically relevant to the housing market. We're not looking at dwelling values as such. We're looking at housing data. So perhaps there's another episode to have a look at unit data in the future, but um, there's another couple of days of work for Pauline before we get to that sort of level of information. For Pauline, I'm sure she'll be happy with that. (laughs) So, okay, so 9.6 overall greater Brisbane. Let's, Let's, before we get into the top 10, which is what people will want to know, um, let's start with probably what we would call the underperformers. Um, and is there anything with a negative? There, there are a number of suburbs that have had negative growth in the last 12 months, um, according to the median values, as I um, discussed prior, whether that's true negative growth or whether it's a data animality. Um, that's important to understand what's selling on the ground to dissect that. However, Um, There's definitely a couple of suburbs that we've seen that have had negative price growth. So I'm going to name some of those based on the last 12 months of performance. Um, And the three that interestingly um, are highlighted as those that have had negative growth are Kangaroo Point, Spring Hill and Highgate Hill. Now, what's interesting about these three locations is that they also have a lot of higher density unit developments in these locations. So remember, this data is talking specifically about the housing market, but we have seen the housing market decline in value according to median data in the last 12 months in these locations. So Kangaroo Point, negative price growth of negative 0.7%. Now, this is um, a suburb with a median value of $1.12 million for the houses that do sell in that location. And um, it's interesting to see that despite overall price growth at a citywide level of 9.6%, there's really been um, no growth at all in that location. So it's interesting, those three locations, they're all, they're all, I've got the data there now, the median is all over a million, million dollars. Um, and they're all really, really close to the CBD. They're all literally within a kilometre or so of the CBD. Kangaroo Point, just over the Story Bridge, Highgate Hill, just up on the hill. Um, above South Bank uh, and Spring Hill, right next door to the CBD. 
Yes, very interesting. Um, and as I said, look, the purpose of this is not to dissect why this is happening. It's just to report on what is happening. So um, obviously our on the ground updates provide more information on why this could be happening. And that's information that we definitely share with our clients. But Spring Hill, um, it's actually the worst performer. It's had negative growth of negative um, 2.8%. And that's at a median of 1.14 million. So interesting to see that that um, market has sort of stagnated in the last 12 months. And the final one there, Highgate Hill, negative growth of negative um, 0.7%. And that's at a median value of $1.2 million right now. That'll be, again, an interesting interesting one will be to see how these perform once we finally get out of COVID and everyone gets vaccinated and things open up again. Um, as we say, we're not predicting why it's happened. Um, whether it's the lack of students coming in for the education side of it, because those areas are quite popular. Um, but yeah, it's interesting to watch those areas. Um, and we will do another update like this again, obviously in the future. And the other thing that I would like to point out, um, Pauline has not just collated what's happened in the last uh, 12 months, but we've also got the data that uh, looks back five and 10 years from now to see how that correlates or what that relationship is between the 12-month growth and the 10-year growth. Remember, property is not something that you buy for a 12-month um, uplift in value necessarily. It's something that most people buy for the long-term uplift in value. So again, long-term performance um, is not always uh, correlated with the short-term performance. And you will see some, some suburbs um, outperform others in the short term, but that might not necessarily mean that they're good long-term uh, performers in terms of growth. So it's definitely something to keep in mind as well. So if we, if we move out of, well, we're, we're pretty much moving away from the city now. If we go to the other ones that are, um, let's say, less than 2% and, and look at those areas um, that have performed probably less than 2%. Yeah, so there's three other locations within the Brisbane City Council region. Um, the first of those is Eight Mile Plains. Eight Mile Plains has seen 0.3% growth in the last 12 months. That's at a median value of $814,000. Um, and then interestingly, two suburbs, uh, Sunnybank, median growth of 1.5%, um, and that's at a median value of 759000 And right next door, Sunnybank Hills, Median growth of just 0.7%, uh, and that's at a 681,000 um, current median value. So, some interesting trends there. And all I can say in relation to those um, locations is that the demographic uh, group is is largely a population that um, has a higher percentage of people that are non. Um, Australian background. So perhaps with the closure of the international borders, the demand for properties in those locations has been lower in the last 12 months. And therefore, as we always know, the demand will actually be the thing that, you know, pushes up property values. You need high demand and tight supply to see growth occurring. So if demand has dropped off, and again, this is not saying it has, it's just um, making some assumptions, it, it may be related to the fact that the international borders are closed and uh, that is, well, they are the locations that a lot of foreign residents do um, tend to migrate to when they do relocate to Brisbane. So there's three more left in that uh, in that list that are less than 3%. Other than that, we then we start to move obviously higher and above 2%. So the last three in the um, less than 2% are Riverview, North Bouval and Waterford West. Yeah, so all between 1% and 2% growth here. Riverview has experienced 1.1% growth in the last 12 months. Current median there at $251,000. So 
Um, interestingly, yields in that area are at 6.84%. So it is a location where um, investors do buy for the attractive yields. And for some people, that is an investment strategy that they are targeting. North Bouval, 1.4% growth in the last 12 months um, at a price point, median value at $303,000. And the gross yield there is 5.84%. Um, and finally, Waterford West, 1.4% growth again, similar to North Bouval, uh, price point, median value at $356,000 and uh, gross yields at 5.71%. So that's sort of consistent with what we typically see. Higher yielding locations uh, typically have lower growth. However, obviously, it's not it's less relevant across a 12-month period. It's much more relevant across a 10-year period. So it's important to understand whether that price growth is the same across a 10-year period um, or whether, you know, this is just a short blip in the radar. Yeah, it's interesting having a look at that, um, the data here in front of us with that 10-year. And, and there is some quite quite hefty numbers in some of those suburbs. I just noticed uh, Kangaroo Point, I think it was, was 46.9% in 10 years. So there is a big difference when you look at that compared to some of the others. But at the moment, today, we're just working on the last 12 months to see what has happened. Um, so if we move into the top 10. Yeah, obviously, this is what people are more interested in. You want to know which suburbs are performing rather than which suburbs are not. So rather than start with the top performer, let's start with um, number 10 on the list. One thing I will say, we have collated data from all of Greater Brisbane for the purposes of this um this information delivery. Uh, however, every suburb in the top 10 list um, is located within the Brisbane City Council region. So that is definitely um, something that I want to highlight. Every um, top performing suburb is within the Brisbane City Council region, not in um, Ipswich, Logan, Morton or Redlands. So we've moved away from the bad news and we'll go towards the good news, which is all the exciting the growth and, and number 10, coming in at number 10, is um, Sandgate out near the water. Yeah, Bayside suburb to the north of the CBD, um, current median value at $818,000. And we've seen one-year capital growth in the median value in Sandgate of 17.8%. So definitely um, not quite double the overall uh, growth for Greater Brisbane, which is, remember, um, we mentioned earlier, 9.6%. So um, another reason why it's so important to understand what's happening at a suburb level and don't just assume that the entire city is performing at the same sort of level of growth, because that's quite a big difference. Um, Sandgate's got a current gross yield at 3.65% as well. So uh, depending on how you're structuring your finance, a lot of these sorts of properties yielding at that sort of rate um, do effectively pay for themselves because if you've got a cash deposit of 20% and you're only borrowing an 80% loan-to-value ratio um, with interest rates as low as they are at the moment, these sorts of properties are fairly neutrally geared as well. So number nine, um, we head to the south side, Cannon Hill. Actually, number nine... Um, is the same um, eight and nine, sorry. eight and nine together. It's a tie, if you like. <laughs> um, both Cannon Hill and Brighton um, experienced nine point one percent growth, so a little bit 19. higher. Nineteen point one. Beg your pardon. Nineteen point one percent growth, a little bit higher than the seventeen point eight percent in Sandgate. Brighton, right next door to Sandgate, actually. Yep. So another Bayside location, um, perhaps. Um, anecdotally speaking, people looking for those lifestyle locations off the back of COVID. Brighton's got a much uh, lower median value at $670,000. 
um, and a current gross yield of 4.02%. So um, for anyone that got into Brighton 12 months ago, they'd be um, thankful because with yields like that, not only would that be potentially putting money in the bank, but they've had some really strong growth off the back of that as well. And then, sorry, I, I did mention, I, as I said, they are a tie, we should have said. Um, Melinda corrected me there, but Cannon Hill on the south side, um, it's come in equal with Brighton at 19.1% as well. Yeah, and its current median sitting at $885,000 um, and 3.9% gross rental yields. Um, Cannon Hill is a suburb that's actually experienced an improvement in the overall aeroplane traffic noise impact um, off the back of that second runway opening as well because a lot of the planes have been redirected a little bit further west so Cannon Hill doesn't have as many overhead planes going over so um, that's again just some anecdotal um, evidence that we're putting forward to um, provide some insights as to possibly why this could be happening. Um, We've also seen huge huge demand in Cannon Hill from Um, any buyers looking to buy the larger sites that can still be subdivided. And in fact, those splitters in Cannon Hill, um, they are just going for a mozza at the moment. So that's a bit of a changing suburb, Cannon Hill. There's been a fair few knockdown rebuilds in that area as well. So there's been a few people coming in, knocking down, either splitting, as Melinda mentioned, or knocking down and building new. Mm -hmm. Um, Good access to the CBD with the train as well through Cannon Hill. Um, up to number seven, uh, just on the north side, um, Bracken Ridge. Yeah, Bracken Ridge is a suburb um, in the furthest north location for the Brisbane City Council region. Current median value at $601,000 and it's experienced 19.4% growth in the last 12 months. Um, current yield sitting at 4.68%. So quite an attractive place for any investors looking for a neutral hold. Um, interestingly, at that price point of $601,000, there's a lot of competition from first home buyers. Um, Brackenridge is a location where you can get a fairly decent uh, property, a lot of brick and tile type homes, um, and yet still accessible and, um, you know, with, with fairly good access by road into a lot of locations. So, that's um, definitely something that uh, potentially is causing higher demand in that location because the affordability of that location is is really good, especially for first home buyers looking to get into the market. And then number six, um, an area we know fairly well is Wilston. Yeah, 19.6. Our backyard, nineteen point six percent growth in the last twelve months. Current median sitting at one point three. Uh, million dollars. Um, the lowest yielding location of all of the top 10 at 2.85%. Um, obviously, Wilston is one of those suburbs that has a lot of um, properties that have, you know, a lot of disparity between the block size and the quality of um, the build because there's older renovators on small blocks selling right next door to um, high-end executive homes on larger blocks. So that's just something to keep in mind when we're looking at the data. But look, I think that um, we saw um, an auction just a couple of weeks ago where, you know, a 3.3 something mil. dollar <laughs> property in Wilston, um, renovated Queenslander, uh, no views, but um, definitely a highly desirable pocket for home buyers looking to just sit for four to five kilometres from the north of the CBD. Yeah, good access. Um, obviously, public transport again, train goes to Wilston. Um, and yeah, good access then obviously to the to the CBD from there. Number six, um, back over on the south side, um, 19.9% Camp Hill. Yeah, Camp Hill is um, 
is definitely one of those suburbs that's shot up in value in the last 12 months. $1,070,000 is the current median value um, and it's yielding a gross yields at 3.4% at the moment. Um, Cannon Hill does have some overhead uh, plane noise, but generally, I beg your pardon, Camp Hill does have some overhead plane noise, um, but generally planes are a little bit higher once they reach there, but very much a family-friendly destination. You've got a mix of character homes that are being renovated in that location alongside other homes that are post-war that have been knocked down and executive high-end executive homes rebuilt in their place. So definitely a lot of gentrification happening in that location and highly desirable for home buyers as well. Number four, we go up to the 20s. So we hit 20%. Um, and we're on the south side as well. Um, now, I know you've mentioned plane noise a bit. This one's probably been a bit effect, the most affected, I guess, out of out of all the prop, um, suburbs, and that's Bulimba. Yes, in number four place, Bulimba, current median sitting at 1.46 million and 20% growth in the last 12 months. Now, um, there has been some recent information put out that some of these uh, locations that have been most impacted by plane noise have also um, been hit in terms of price growth. That's not what the core logic data is suggesting um, based on the information that we have collated. Um, Belimba's definitely performed well with 20% growth and the current median sitting there at 3.29%. So yes, we do or we have experienced an increase in the noise impact from the second runway in this location. Um, however, according to the data, um, there's really been no, you know, diminished demand in the location because price or capital growth has still been very strong in the last 12 months. Yeah, it's good. It's a nice area over there on the south side, Bloomba. I think um, your major transport there is probably the ferry um, to get in towards the CBD. Um, otherwise, you're heading over towards sort of Morningside and those areas to catch the train. Um, but it'll be interesting to see if that has any impact long term um, to that um, to that area. Top three. So we go up to 21.3%. This was quite interesting, this one. I, I was a bit surprised when you came out with that. Um, we go to Acacia Ridge. Yeah, very interesting to see Acacia Ridge sitting in the number three place. Um, current median is sitting at $461,000 in this lo location. And it's had 21.3% price growth just in the last 12 months. But it's a higher yielding location as well with 5.08% being the gross yield. Um, I was a little bit intrigued, so I had a look at some of the more recent sales in this location. And what I did find is that there are a lot of the larger blocks with the post-war homes um, that have the capacity to be subdivided that have sold more recently. And potentially that could skew some of this median data. Obviously, the larger blocks of land that have subdivision potential, um, that's going to, you know, if more of those have sold, it, it can actually sway um, some of that data. So it's it's really interesting to see that just anecdotally. I I did that search and perhaps that's a reason and I'm not suggesting that it is, but um, there's been good growth there for those that got into that market 12 months ago. Number two, we uh, again on the south side, um, Karina Heights, 22.7%. Yeah, um, really strong growth. And I know talking to agents in this area, you know, at times they are really blown away with some of the offers that they've been receiving. 837,000 is the median value. We've seen in real time, you know, this price growth happening with buyers missing out. Every time they miss out, they extend that little bit more next time just to secure an opportunity. Um, yield in this location sitting at 3.77% as well. So, 
you know, not a bad location for investors that got into that market um, uh, uh, 12 months ago because they've now locked in that 22% growth. So that's our top nine. Should we leave number one for next week? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll, we'll do the last one. So number one, um, it's quite an amazing one, 31.3%, um, and that's uh, New Farm. Yes, inner city new farm. Um, I know median value here is $1,750,000. There's been stories recently of properties that have been selling in this location, um, which are knockdown properties meeting that $2 million price point. Um, this is a location that's highly desirable. Off the back of COVID, you know, people with money really put their money into um, houses in this location. There's lots of elevation in the area. A lot of properties have the scarcity of city views and, you know, depending on what exactly has sold, that median value has shifted significantly in the last 12 months um, in the housing market, still yielding at 3.07% as well. So despite the, the huge increase in the um, median values, we've also seen rental price increases as well so that we haven't seen a huge drop off in the yield in the location. I know we looked at a property a little over 12 months ago mm. um, in this location. It was just before COVID hit um, for a lovely Queenslander home with city views um, and the price point at that point was around the $2, 2, million, $2 million mark. Yep. So it would be nice to think that um, there's a million dollars worth of equity locked into that property for the lucky buyer. So um, it definitely has become a very high demand market and people are paying premiums just to get something in that location. Yes, sought after area, New Farm, close to the CBD. You've got the ferry, you've got access, um, everything to the city there um, and lovely walking down along the river. Um, interesting that it's it's such a high median and such a high growth. Um, and then you've got some others that are that are quite low, but yet with, with large growth on them. So that's our top 10, um, some interesting ones there um, and also some interesting ones in that lower area, um, the underperformers, I guess, as well. So Yeah, and I think, you know, as always, as I pointed out at the beginning, it is data. So the data can, you know, depend on what has been selling, but people do like to know what the data's um, saying and a lot of people do make their investment decisions purely based on data. Um, I would trade with caution relying purely on data, especially on short-term movements like this um, data is a lot more accurate when you're looking at long-term trends and that's something that we obviously um, provide as well because looking at 10-year trends versus one-year trends tells a different story in a lot of instances and maybe there's another podcast in that mm. <laughs> so and and obviously having a look on the ground i mean us seeing we we see this information and this data come through but then actually getting out and seeing it live and seeing what's happening happening in all these suburbs the amount of people that are still turning up at, at opens the offers that are going in on properties as well. So it's actually quite interesting to see all that demand is is still there for property as well. Absolutely. So thanks very much for all that, Pauline. Thank you again for all the, the work you've done behind the scenes. I'm sure that Melinda will have you doing more again soon. <laughs> um, and um, thanks for the, for the wrap-up. Hope that's been good information for everyone. I'll let Melinda close things off as usual and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks very much for listening and bye for now. Yeah, thanks for tuning in again. Um, I hope that's been interesting for you to see those most recent trends, especially across the last 12 months. As always, if there's something that you'd like us to discuss in our podcast, we're very open to you sending through your requests and we do have the Q&A session coming up 
once again. So I will look forward to answering some of the questions that have been coming in over the last six weeks or so. As always, please don't forget to tell your friends and family that the Brisbane Property Podcast does exist. It's always relevant to Brisbane itself and not talking specifically or not talking generally about the Australian market like a lot of other podcasts do. We do try to keep everything relevant to Brisbane for property buyers looking in this region. As always, um, we hope you have a fabulous week and we will join you again next week. Bye for now. Thanks for tuning in today. Please remember everything we have spoken about on this podcast is general in nature and we always recommend that you obtain independent advice in relation to your specific circumstances. If you liked today's episode, don't forget to subscribe or leave us a review on iTunes and of course, tell your friends about us. If you would like to get in contact, please visit www.brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au or email us at info at brisbanepropertypodcast.com.au. Feel free to send in any questions and we will try to answer them in future episodes.